So on the 2nd of October, 2010, I had a dream. And in this dream, I was rushing to a hospital because my friend was in the hospital. And I, I rushed into the lobby of the hospital and I don't know where my friend is. And you know, like in those dreams, sometimes you're like frantically trying to find something, but you can't really find it. Is it just me that has those anxiety dreams? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like desperately trying to find my friend and I'm, I'm going down different corridors in the hospital. I'm bursting into different rooms. And finally, I jump into this room and lo and behold, there's my friend. And my friend is wearing all the hospital garb and she's sitting in the hospital bed and I can tell that she's been crying. And I rush up to her in my dream and I say, what's wrong? Are you okay? What happened? She turns to me and she says, I, I've just had a miscarriage. And, and, and the first thing that comes to my mind is, and I say to her in the dream, I say, well, well, how many weeks were you? And she said, 40 weeks. And immediately I woke up. Now, I'm the kind of person when I dream, I dream the most boring, mundane dreams that you could ever dream. You know, like if you're a dreamer, right? If you dream at night, you want to dream fantastic dreams, don't you? Like you want to be able to fly or something like that, or maybe like time travel, or maybe in your dream, you want to be somebody that you're not in real life, right? And many of our dreams, we wake up in the morning and we're like, what just happened to me, right? I don't dream like that. Like, if it doesn't happen in my real life, I will never dream it in a dream, okay? My dreams are so mundane and boring. I am more ethically conservative and a good boy in my dreams than I am in real life, okay? It's like yawn fest in my dreams. Anyway, this dream I recognize was different. And I woke up and I was suddenly awake, wide awake in the middle of the night. And I shook Chris beside me and Chris sort of grudgingly kind of wakes up and looks at me. I'm like, I just had a dream, Chris. And in this dream, our friend, she was in the hospital and I walked in and I said, like, what's wrong? And she said she had a miscarriage. And I asked her how many weeks? And she said 40 weeks. And like Chris turns to me and she goes, you know what that means, don't you? You know what 40 weeks means, don't you? And I'm like... I'm male, and consequently, I've never been pregnant. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, right? And she's like, well, that's, that's full term. And we both looked at each other, and with tears in our eyes, we start screaming and yelling and, and high-fiving each other and celebrating. Perhaps I should explain why. Three months earlier, we had been finally, after quite a long process, finally approved by the government and the social welfare department for Chris and I to become adopted parents. We were allowed, they were saying, that we could adopt a child. Now, that had been a seven-month period by which we had filled in forms and been interviewed and done all this stuff to try to prove that we're really good people and nice people so that the government would allow us to enter into what's called the matching phase where you could get matched any third Thursday to a potential child in the social welfare system. And and so three months before this dream, I, we had been told that we were now approved and we were therefore in this matching process. Now, when we found out that we were approved, Chris and I had a conversation together and we said, here's the thing. 
When you're doing the adoption process, it's obviously very different from the normal biological process of having a child. Uh, and, and during the biological process, there's lots of things that you get used to. You've got the nine months of getting ready for the child to come and speaking to your child and putting your little you know, head on the lap of your, your, your wife and, and praying over the child and all this. And in particular, when the child is finally born, more often than not, you're there in the room. The child takes its first breath of life. And as a Christian couple, you get the joy of blessing your child immediately in the first moments of their life, praying life over them. And we realize that in the adoption process, we're probably not going to be able to have that experience. And so we said to God a bold prayer. We say, God, if our child that we are to adopt is not yet alive, we want to know the moment the child is born. Like we want to know because we want to have that same experience that biological families have. We want to know that our child has come into this world on that day so that we can start praying blessings and hope and life over our child. And, and so that was our prayer as soon as we heard that we were approved to be matched. And then we waited for months and months. And then just a few months later, on the 2nd of October, 2010, I had the dream. And we believed that that was the moment that our child came into the world. Immediately, two things happened. The first thing was, we told everybody we knew that we were about to adopt a child. The reason being is because on our form, we had written that we wanted to adopt a child under the age of six months old. And we knew because of this dream that God had brought this child into the world. So therefore, according to our form, we would receive this child at least within the next six months. It could be within the next three weeks. And so we started to tell everybody, we're going to have this child. This child's coming into the world. It's so exciting. We're going to get matched. And all of our friends, our family, we said, like, pray with us. Let's get together. Let's celebrate. Woo-hoo! That was the first thing. The second thing was we got our room ready for this child. We had no idea whether the child was male or female, so we went for neutral colors in the room, right? We set up the whole kind of cot and everything, got the whole thing ready. We were super excited. I would pray over it every day. We had everything ready in place. All we had to do now was wait. And Christmas was just a few months away. And I remember saying to Chris one day, wouldn't it be awesome if we got this child for Christmas? Like, it would be the best thing ever. I know children are not for Christmas. They're for life. But we wanted a child for Christmas. That was our gift, you know. And so, so we started to pray for that as well. And Christmas came and went. And then six months came and went. And then seven months, nine months, and ten months. At the one-year mark of having had this dream, I remember something was shifted in my spirit. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I guess I got that wrong. I, I, I guess that doesn't make sense. Uh, I, 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 I guess I must have misinterpreted that. Like, maybe I, I completely got that one wrong. Maybe I had a weird curry the night before, and it just created this weird dream or something, right? I remember, I remember sharing with Chris, I'm like, I'm like let's, just, let's just let go of this thing. Because to be honest with you, holding the hope, right, for so long, that expectation that there was something that was going to happen, that it was going to literally happen when the phone would ring, right, just became grating on us. We, we, we felt like God was playing a bit of a joke on us, to be honest with you. And, and so both together, we decided we were going to whole shelve that whole expectation thing. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
and our hearts were sick. And so we took that dream, we took that idea, we took that reality that God had broken in and given us this idea of this birth, and we shoved it up on the shelf, if you will. We put it on hold because the reality of walking with it was just too painful. And I began to think to myself, well, perhaps God doesn't speak in dreams anyway. As we enter into 2022... We do so in the third year of a global pandemic that has literally turned all of our lives upside down. And if the news is anything to read in the last couple of days, the pandemic is worse now than it's ever been. That there are more cases in the UK on a single day and in the US on a single day than they've ever been over this whole pandemic time. And while the virus might be a little bit weaker in its impact, it's spreading like it's never spread before. All of us are afraid of Omicron. Hong Kong is so afraid of it that it's clamping down everything that it can possibly clamp down to ensure that we do not get this thing. And we wouldn't be remiss, would we, to starting this new year with a sense of doom and gloom and that everything is just as bad as everything else. And the reality is, in the midst of all of this pandemic and in the midst of having to deal with the realities of this virus and the way that we've had, we've had to put a lot of things on hold, haven't we? We've had to shove a lot of things up onto our perpetual kind of shelf, haven't we? Things of our own ideas. The reality of a virus is it doesn't just quarantine people, it also quarantines ideas. It also stops us from taking some of the things that we thought we would accomplish, some of the dreams, some of the expectations we've had, and it forces us to just kind of put those on hold whilst we're dealing with everything else. Whilst we're trying to get on with all of this stuff, I just don't have the time. I just don't have the energy. I'm just going to throw it up here on the shelf. And so projects, personal projects have gone up on the shelf for many of us. Uh, Things like stuff that we've been doing at work has had to just go on hold. Some of you entrepreneurs in this room have had to just put the pausing of fundraising or the pausing of, of stepping into that new idea you had, just that's had to go on the shelf for a while. For some of you, it's about relationships in this room. You've been pursuing a relationship and you just had to put that on hold whilst everything else kind of happens. And there's so much in our lives that have just been put on the shelf. And here's what I sensed as I was praying a few months ago about what was on God's heart for us as a church as we entered in 2022. Here's what I heard God say. I heard him say this, it's time for us to dream again. It's time for us to dream again. Again, that the things that we've put up on the shelf, the things that God has spoken over us, spoken into us on a personal level, the dreams and the hopes and the expectations and the things that God wants to do in and through us, those moments of the words that he's spoken into us that we've thrown up there on the shelf, that we've put on hold, God is saying, grab a hold of them again, for it's time for us to dream again. I love this because the Bible has a lot to say about the power of joining him in believing for his vision to come to fruition on earth. Our Bible opens up with the story of creation, doesn't it? 
And in Genesis 1 and 2, there's that moment where God creates humanity and God draws humanity close to him and says these words, go into the world, multiply, and take essentially my vision and bring it into the world. I want you to go and flourish, steward creation. Use what you know of me and operate that out into the world around you. See, there has always been an important relationship between God's vision and our implementation. It's always been an important relationship. God has set it up that way. And guess what? He didn't need to do that. God has the ability to bring his vision on earth, whether we're involved or not. The beautiful thing of the Christian faith is that God has decided to use us, decided to bless us, decided to draw back the curtains and say, this is my heart. This is my vision. This is my character. This is who I am. And I want you to take that and model it and be my hands and feet in the world. I will bless you so you can be a blessing. I will open up my life so that you can then do that in the world, flourish creation, steward it, and see my glory come. And when we take the things of God, his heart, his vision, his dreams in the world, and we put them on the shelf and we put them on hold, we find ourselves in a pretty dangerous place. I love the way, actually, Proverbs 29, verse 18, puts it in the message translation. Let me read this to you. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I love the brutal honesty of this. When we cannot see what God is doing in the world, we will stumble over ourselves. In other words, God's vision has to be seen in the world in order for the world to operate as God desires it to be. When that vision is covered, when we cannot see it, we stumble over ourselves. And I tell you what, over the last couple of years, it feels like around the world, many people are stumbling over themselves. But I love what he says here. But those who attend, to what he reveals. I love that word, attend. It means not just see, not just go like, oh look, that's what God's doing, but join him in it, attend to it, work it in their lives, work it out through who they are. They are the one who find themselves blessed. You will never feel more alive in your life when you take the dreams that God has placed on your heart and with courage and faith, you work those dreams out in the world. But you will also never feel more depressed, sad, doom and gloom, held back. When God speaks his word and you do not walk in that obedience, you will find yourself stumbling over yourself rather than the blessing that God has. Are you following this, church? So, so, so when God says to us, it's time to dream again, oh, he's inviting us to take some of those things that are on hold and begin to work them out for his glory so heaven can literally come to earth. You see, being on hold might be right for a season, but it is not right for a lifestyle. Come on, church. It might be right for like a period of time, and we've had to do it. It was right for us to put some of those things on hold whilst we learned to deal with COVID. It was important for us that we respected one another. We locked our homes down. We put on our masks. We did the things we needed to do. That was important. But we cannot put everything that God has put on our hearts, all of those dreams, all of the future, all of the things that God sees in this world, those cannot remain forever on hold. At some point, we have to rise up and say, we are going to move God's vision forward again. Are you with me? 
And I feel like that's what God's inviting us into. And if you're anything like me, you're probably sitting there going, I don't feel that way. Anyone feel that way? I, I don't know if that's really what's on my heart. In fact, I'm, I'm feeling kind of annoyed. I'm feeling kind of upset about everything. It's frustrating that I can't travel. It's frustrating that we can't do this. Why is the government with some of these policies that they have? Like, we don't understand some of it. And it's frustrating and it's hard and it, it makes us that way. Here's the thing. So much of the Christian faith is never going to be felt in you. It has to be faithed in you. Oh, I just made that up. That was really good. So much of the Christian faith is not felt in us. It's faithed in us. It's something that comes out of us even when we don't really feel it because we believe in God's word, we accept his promises, and we desire to walk those things out whether we feel like it or not. Obedience is not a feeling game. Obedience is a faith game. And I wonder at the start of this year, even though we may not be feeling it, we might be at a faith something. So over the next uh, January and February, over the next two months, we're going to lean into this idea of dreaming again. There are 21 dreams, literal dreams, that God gives somebody when they're asleep in the Bible that tells them to do something. There are 21 of them. We're going to look at seven of those over these coming weeks. And each one is designed to help you to understand how God might be speaking into you and moving in your life in this season. The schedule here behind me uh, will show you the ways in which we are going to do that over these coming weeks. And I'm really excited with that. And I, and I tell you, if you get these devotionals that we've already spoken about in, during this service, if you have those downloaded uh, into your inbox every uh, day from Monday the 10th onwards, I believe that will also be a blessing to you and a great partnership on a daily basis to help you think about what it might mean for you to dream again. Is this making sense to everyone? All right, here's how I want to start the, uh, the series. Here's how I want to introduce it to us. I believe that there are some basic foundational principles for what God would want in us to dream again. And I want to open up some of these very basic but very importantly foundational uh, ideas for you so that you can start this year with the idea, I'm going to take some of those dreams off the shelf and I'm going to work them out in my life. And to do that, I want to take us to perhaps the greatest dreamer in the Bible, the one who is certainly the greatest interpreter of dreams in the Bible, and that's Daniel. And Daniel was raised up by God to dream again at a time that was critical in Israel's history, a time when Israel desperately needed to dream again. A time when they were in exile, Babylon had come into Jerusalem, destroyed much of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, pulled down the walls, killed many, taken a remnant of the Israelites into captivity in Babylon. One of those remnants was Daniel. And Daniel, as the scriptures say in Daniel chapter 1, was invited into the court of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, being invited into the court, you should read there, was a slave to the king, essentially. Okay? He didn't have a choice. He was a slave to serve the king in his court. Now, right as this is happening, the king begins to have some dreams. And these dreams are hard for him to understand. They're disturbing dreams. He doesn't fully get them, and they cause a lot of anxiety for him. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Are you ready for this? The first scripture that we're going to read together in the new year. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Daniel chapter 2, starting at verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. Who knows that when you cannot sleep, you get grumpy. Amen? 
I want to show you what grumpiness looks like when you can't sleep. This is really bad grumpiness. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in, they stood before the king. And he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided because I'm really tired right now. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. (laughs) But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret to me. Can you believe this? He's like, you can have cake or death. That's your choice, basically. Which one do you want? I'll have cake. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you're trying to gain more time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. I, if you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. Cake or death. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king this way. There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asked is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among men. Man, this is the astrologers giving up. It's like, we cannot do this. It's impossible for us. The only thing that can do this is the gods, but they do not live on earth. This is really ironic because in chapter 7 of Daniel, Daniel's going to have a dream and he's going to see Jesus and he's going to call him the son of man, God being man on earth. But at this point in Daniel, the astrologers are speaking the truth. They don't know that there is any man that could ever come on earth that can be like God. And they say this, only the gods can answer this. And in <laughs> Ironically, this is actually the only thing that the astrologers are saying that is true. And it's actually an invitation into the first basic foundation of dream again. It's this. It is always a work of grace. All the dreams that we ever receive, all of the ways that we're able to interpret them, they're always a work of the grace of God. It is only God, not God's. God who holds the dreams of this world. It is only him that gives those dreams and it's only him that can help us to understand those dreams through the power of his spirit at work in us. The astrologers are right. It is grace and grace alone that gives us these dreams. So when you're thinking about all those things that are on the shelf, those stuff that God has given you, the dreams and the heart that he's placed upon you, and we've shoved those up for that time on the shelf, his grace challenges us to go, these are grace gifts of God. He's given them to us out of his heart. He could do it without us. He's chosen to use us. And he's given me this gift, and he's helped me to understand what his dream is. And if I keep that on the shelf, then I'm ignoring the very grace that he's put in our lives. The gift of grace means that we haven't earned these dreams. We we are not ones who demand these dreams. These dreams are his gift to us. And because they're his gift, how dare we keep them up on the shelf? We must grab a hold of the things that God has said to us and in his timing and in his ability begin to walk those out. The first foundation is recognizing it's all a work of grace. 
Are you with me? Here's the second one. Let's read on. Verse 12. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. You did not choose cake. You have chosen death. I'm going to kill you. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. The men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke with him in wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. I want you to see this. Daniel finds out that, that, that this king has received these dreams, that he's going to plan to kill all of the wise men, which included him and his friends as well. And Daniel's immediate response is not to run in the opposite direction. It's not to run away and try and hide. He runs towards the danger. He runs right into the court of the king. He goes right up to Nebuchadnezzar himself, and he says, I need some time. I want to plead for you for time, which is ironic because that's what the astrologers were doing. But here's Daniel coming directly to the king and saying, I can, I will interpret this. It will happen, but I just need a little bit of time. Don't kill anybody. Would you work with me here? But I can do this. This is the second principle of dreaming again. Not only is this going to be a work of grace, but here's the thing. You have to have faith. You have to have faith. It took a huge amount of courage and bravery and faith for Daniel to stand in front of the king. A king who just like that could literally have him cut into pieces and pull down the rubble of his home. And he stood before this king, his life in the balance, and had the faith and the audacity to say, I know someone who can interpret this dream. I believe there is someone. Some of you in this room, in order for you to take those things that are on the shelf in your life right now and begin to work them out in your life in 2022, it's going to take an incredible amount of bravery. It's going to take a lot of bravery and courage and faith for you to do that. And that's not a small thing. I want you to realize this. God doesn't give a dream that doesn't require faith. God will never give you a dream that is easy and you don't need to do anything. God will always give you a dream where it will require a stretching of your abilities, a stretching of your faith, because he's calling you to partnership with him. He's not calling you to watch what he does. He's calling you to partnership with him. He'll give you that dream. He'll help you to interpret it. He'll walk with you, but you'll need to have that faith. You see, in the relationship dynamic with God, God's position is to give the gift in grace. Our position is to implement it in faith. Are you with me? So it's always going to require faith. And some of us, that's the prayer at the start of 2022. I need the faith, Lord, to take this thing off the shelf because it's comfortable to leave it on the shelf. Remember I said in my own dream experience, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It was easier for me to keep it on the shelf. But it would take faith for me to believe in that dream again. It'll take some faith for some of you to take that dream off the shelf. Is this helping someone? All right, let's carry on. Verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead to mercy from God of heaven, proclaiming and concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. The very first thing that Daniel does, after he's gone before the king, and he's realized this is all a grace work, I'm going to have faith before the king, the very first thing he does is he turns around, he goes back to his friends, and he says, I need your help. 
Come on, guys. Come on, friends. Get around me. We need to pray together. We need to pray and plead for mercy from God because if we don't get that mercy, we're going to die. So there's, there's an importance here. Let's get together as brothers and we're going to pray and believe that God's going to give us this interpretation of this dream. We haven't even got a clue what the dream is, but we're going to pray and ask God in faith together. Would you join me is what he says to his friends. This is the third foundation of dreaming again. You have to involve your community. You've got to involve the people around you in the dreams that God has given you in your life because they're not just for you. The dreams are there to inspire the people who are walking around you. The dreams are there to be shared because the burden is always going to be too much for you on your shoulders alone. You've got to have a group of people around you that are cheering you on, that are discerning with you, that are listening to you. Hear this. Out of all of my pastoral time, my pastoral life, I've always noticed this, that the most dangerous people in the church are those that dream in isolation. It's a big thing to say. The most dangerous people in church are the ones who dream in isolation. In other words, the ones who believe that they and they alone hear the word of God. The ones who believe that they and they alone are the ones that understand God's word and interpret it. And have no humility to say, I might have not got that right. And I wonder whether my trusted friends, whether that's in my community group, whether that's in my prayer group, whether that's in my friends and family, I can share this because I want to hold God's word seriously, but I have humility in that word. And I know that I don't always hear it right. I don't always get it right. But in community with others, we can discern together and I can walk with more confidence into the future with that faith because together we have heard. Are you with me? So some of you, your big investment in 2022 needs to be in a community because if you're going to take that stuff off the shelf, you better have some people you can share it with who can stand next to you and cheer you on and walk with you every step of the way. Let's keep going. Verse 19, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said this, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and he disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and the light dwells in him. Oh, I thank you and I praise you, O God of my fathers, for you have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what is asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Notice this, the very first thing that he does here is he responds in worship. As soon as he has that dream, as soon as he understands what it is, he responds in worship. He doesn't immediately rush into the king, which is probably what I would have done because I've got the answer and I don't want to die. I would have probably rushed straight into the king and said, I've got the answer. Here it is. Please don't kill me. The very first thing Daniel does, even though it creates more of a delay, is he worships. He says, I need to go to before the source. Let's give me this thing. And, and, and notice the words he uses. He says to God, you have wisdom. You have power. You're the one who knows and reveals deep and hidden things. He gives all of the power to God. But then he says later in, in the praise, he says, but you have given me wisdom and power. I'm now able to discern and make known the dream to the king. In other words, do you see the partnership, God's vision, our implementation? God has the power and the wisdom. I've been given that by a grace gift of God. I'm going to, first of all, before I do anything else, recognize where that gift has come from. When we don't worship for the dreams that we're given, we come to think that the dreams are ours and not God's. Our ability to worship in response to the dreams we are given is our ability to remain humble, 
and our ability to remain that this is God's dream, not mine. He's the one with wisdom and power. He's the one who can reveal all the mysteries. And I'm just so graced that he has enabled me to do that on this, in this particular time with this king. Are you with me? Your worship will keep you humble. Your worship will keep the dream God's and not yours. Finally, verse 24. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him this, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what the dream means. So the king asked Daniel, also called Belalsavar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery of what he's just asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I love this. The thing he does is he stands before Nebuchadnezzar and he testifies the gospel. He says, I can't do it. None of your astrologers can do it. No magician can do it. But don't be fooled. There is a God who reveals mysteries. See, I love this idea. See, this is the final foundation of dreaming again. It is this, that we have to truly know who our God is. Like really know who he is. Because when you know who your God is, you will take those dreams off the shelf. You won't second guess them. You won't diminish them. You will say, I know who my God is. I know he has this character. I know he has this heart. I know he wants to do this in the world. I know he's at work in these areas. I'm going to take those things off because this is in line with the character of God. I know God. This dream is of him. And I'm going to work that dream out in my life. He stands before the king who has his life in his hands And he says, I can't do it, but God can. There is a God who reveals mysteries. I want to encourage you as you're stepping into 2022. May that be your testimony from your mouth. Yes, this is going to be a hard year ahead. I'm not sugarcoating anything. We know that there's an ongoing journey with this virus. And who knows when Hong Kong might have that virus and it might have an impact on our lives once again. The reality is this. We cannot start this year with a doom and gloom mentality. We cannot start this year thinking that the things just need to remain on the shelf. God has given you dreams. He's spoken his word over you. And he's done it not just for your benefit. He's done it because that's the way the world works. He wants you to go into the world bringing his heart and his vision to the world around you. That's the way the world flourishes. If we don't do that, people will stumble over themselves. But those who attend to the revealed things of God are the ones who understand his blessing. The church in 2022 must rise up here in Hong Kong, perhaps more than anywhere. Take these foundations of dreaming again and walk that out. Because we do, my friends, have a God who reveals mysteries, who reveals the things that we could not know unless God told us so. All of which brings me back to that dream I received on the 2nd of October 2010. Two years after that dream, A full year after I shoved it on the shelf and ignored it, I get a phone call. And the phone call is from our social worker. And it's the phone call that we've been waiting for. And in an excited tone, our social worker, who knows that we've gone through a long, hard journey, says, oh, you'll never believe it. Today, you guys were matched to a baby girl. And she starts to tell us all about this baby girl. 
And, and I'm there on the phone with her for 20 minutes, and she's telling us every minute detail that they ever knew or know about this girl, about her background, about her family, all of this stuff. And the last thing that she tells me, the things that she didn't tell me, is when she was born. And so I'm there for like 20 minutes with my heart racing really fast, right? And I'm like, what is going on? And I, so after about 20 minutes, my patience wore out. I break into the conversation. I said, was this child born on the 2nd of October, 2010? And her stunned silence told me everything I needed to know. Mia was born that very day I had the dream. And there are some amazing stories as to why it took two years, which I don't have time to tell you today. But God held her for us and us for her. And he told us on that day, because he's a God who reveals mysteries. And we knew from that moment that our child had come into the world. Our God is awesome. And those things that you've got up on the shelf, those individual dreams that God has given you, hear his voice over you. It's time to dream again. Those dreams are a grace gift from him. They're going to require faith in you. They're to be shared with the people around you so you can walk in community with them. They are always to be responded to in worship. And when you know your God, then you walk in those dreams with confidence, assurance, knowing that his will will be known on earth as it is in heaven. Church, let's rise up for it's time to dream again. Could you stand with me? I want to pray over you. And if you're comfortable, I want to invite you, whether you're online right now or in this room, just to open your hands with me. I want to pray. Father, we are here gathered at the start of 2022. And like Daniel, Father, we find ourselves now standing before you with that heart, that you are a God who reveals mysteries. And Lord, there's a lot of mysteries in the world right now. And Lord, represented in this room and online are many individuals that are carrying mysteries and questions. When will I see my family again? When will this virus be under control? When can I travel? When can I start that job that I was hoping to start? When can that project really kick off? Lord, in this room, we have many mysteries that seem to go unsolved in a time like this. And I wonder whether you would just start 2022 by perhaps bringing some of those questions before the Lord. He's big enough, gracious enough, wonderful enough to hear them from us. Those frustrations we have, the questions and the mysteries that seem to go unanswered. And I want to challenge you to pray some bold prayers at the beginning of this year. Like Chris and I, who prayed to God and said, Father, we want to wake up the day that child is born. I wonder what bold prayers the Holy Spirit might be placing in your heart today. And for some of you, you've been praying those prayers, but you've shoved them up on the shelf. Perhaps like me, hope deferred has made your heart a bit sick. Perhaps like me, it's too painful and you've thrown it up on the shelf and gotten on with your life. I feel the Holy Spirit would come today and just gently guide you into a place of taking those dreams again and perhaps tentatively, but step by step, walking into a place of believing and hoping once more. Father, for dreams in this room that have seemed a long way off, would you come, Holy Spirit? Father, would you give us the faith we need Lord, we know that when you give dreams, it always requires some faith. Father, would you give us the boldness we see in Daniel, the courage, Lord, to stand before our city, 
stand before whatever it is that might be the obstacle in our path and proclaim dreams again, your dreams, your heart, Lord. Father, we are so grateful for community. And Lord, I want to pray for some people in this room that feel isolated right now. Lord, I want to ask for the right men and women to come alongside of them this year. I pray 2022 would be the birthing of new community for many people here. Lord, you do not want us to dream in isolation, Lord. So I pray for the right men, the right women, the right resources to come alongside of the people in this room that are holding dreams in their heart. And I want to challenge you, if you're isolating yourself, would you hear the wind of the Spirit on you today to step out of your isolation towards community? Father, we worship you. We worship you with everything we have. Lord, so that we can keep those dreams yours and not ours. And Father, we take whatever it is that we're thinking right now and we place it before you. You are a God of all power and all wisdom. Lord, we trust your timing. As hard as it was for Chris and I to wait those two years, Mia came into our lives at the exact right time. And Lord, I believe that will be the same for whatever promises are coming for the people in this room. Lord, would you give us steadfastness in the waiting? Would you give us hope in the waiting, Lord God? Would you give us courage? Father, we want to dream again. And I pray you would reveal your character and your goodness to us. I pray that like Daniel, we'd be able to stand before all of the kings of this world and say there is a God who knows all mysteries. Now that would be the testimony of our faith to bring you glory on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, help us to dream. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. Let's respond together in worship.